Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All righty, good morning, good morning, and good morning. And again, uh, coming to you from a remote location down here in Florida, celebrating some time with friends and family right after the holidays. Hope you and yours are having a wonderful holiday leading right into the new year over the weekend. This is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. Come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time. You can follow us on YouTube where we stream. Just uh, search Chatterbox Sports. And the same thing on Facebook, our Chatterbox Sports page. All right, we're going to get right into the Bengals and the Bills and all that kind of thing in just a little bit. But it's also the weekend where the college football playoff has finally arrived. We know Ohio State will play tomorrow night against number one Georgia. Tim May, for 42 years, has been covering Ohio State football for the Columbus Dispatch. He'll join us at 1045. But the first game is, I'm really excited about this one. That's TCU in Michigan. And, uh, and I've got skin in the game. Got a child that goes to school down there at TCU. Now, the man who is covering all of this uh, has been for many, many, many years, Mac Engel. He's an author. He's a longtime sports writer. I mean, look at him down there in Phoenix. I got to tell you, Mac, it doesn't look like such you a like nice that? day down there. You expected better. <laughs> no, uh, thank you very much for having me on. I didn't know you had a, a child at TCU. I, I never knew that. Yeah, I'm always I mean, surprised when I hear. Uh, I didn't know that. That's that's great. Uh, no, you've been out to you've been out here to Phoenix eight billion times. I've been out here five hundred thousand times. I've never seen it like this. Uh, I, you know, you came out in spring training and did a million games. You did a Fiesta Bowl. I, I still remember your call when Boise State beat Oklahoma in the yeah. Fiesta Bowl twenty yeah. years ago or however many years ago. But no, we got rain here. So whatever that means, I don't know if that means anything about tomorrow's game as an upset. But it actually rained here. So whatever plans people had to hike or be outside, yeah, that's, that's, it looks like they're going to be inside the mall today. Well, you know, it's funny because you bring up the rain. And I lived in Arizona for about 14 years, right, when the Diamondbacks launched. And it's funny you bring up, oh, you, you make right. that, that yeah. you know, does the rain mean anything? Uh, and and, and right. one of the, the, the moments I'll remember forever is when, uh, you know, it rarely ever rains in Arizona to start with, in Phoenix anyway. Right. But in Game 7 of the World Series, it rained in the ninth inning. And the Diamondbacks beat Mariano Rivera in the bottom of the ninth inning to win that World Series. And it was starting to rain when the ninth inning began. I never was, knew it, that. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. It was a great story. All right, look, I want to talk to you. Um, first off, let me ask you this real quick, because you've covered the Cowboys forever. You authored a book with Tony yes. Romo. Uh, you, you've been down there a long, long time. Uh, they uh, went last night. Obviously, you weren't at the game. Mm -hmm. Um, but but how do you like the Cowboys? I think a lot of us, you know, on the AFC side, in Cincinnati, and, and you know, there are a lot of us that watch the Cowboys, and we're like, boy, there are a lot of things to really like. But th but then there are some things that you're like, well, is your defense really that good? Can Dak Prescott win the big one? I know there's a lot there. But how do you feel about Dallas with one week to go in the regular season, then on to the playoffs? Uh, first of all, I want to say this. I, I really want to thank you for having me on. I've always, you know, I, I was born in Cincinnati. Uh, you and I have yep. met a few times. We actually have a friend yep. in common. My, my, my sister-in-law grew up with you. And so to be asked to be on a show with Tom Brenham and the Brenham family means so much to me. I really appreciate okay. it, Tommy, a lot. Uh, so I was, you know, I'm a Bengals guy. I, I suffered through that pain. That was the first team that I really loved. And this is a, a long answer to that. So dovetail. 
I think when I look at the NFL right now, there's like three teams that you look at and you think, whoo, man, they really got something because they have either Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes. And I think there's that second tier where Dallas falls in, where you've got Dak Prescott, you've got Kirk Cousins, who I've, I've thought he was a good guy and a good pro, but he's never anybody, he's not been somebody who ever really scared me. And then you certainly look at Jalen Hurts and now San Francisco. So any team in the NFC, those top teams, they're all really good and they've got flaws. Well, you know, I mean, if San Francisco, you would put years ahead of everybody if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy. Well, he's not. They're playing with a rookie, you know, the last pick in the draft from Brock Purdy. And that's not their fault. And he's doing a great job. And you have to give everybody a lot of credit. But I think when you look at Dallas, you hit the nail on the head. You're like, there's a lot to like. And there's a lot to be concerned about. Uh, I'm a big tech Prescott fan. I, he's a great guy. He's a, ter he's a terrific leader. Everybody likes the guy. And you do see him make throws sometimes. I, I go back and watch the Philly game. He made a third in uh, completion on third down and 30. That was just yeah. as good a throw as any quarterback could make. You remember. Yep. Yep. I think we Did might we lose have lost him. Sorry about that. Did I lose you? That's okay. Go ahead. You were talking about the third and 30. Okay. The third and 30. Yeah. You know, so it's a great throw. And he, he makes all these throws, but God, he's in this run right now. That's just, I've never seen anything like it where Tommy passes that are on the mark go off a guy's fingertip and it's into the other team's safety's hands. And it's, it's all the time. And you would think law of averages would say, well, that'll stop. And then it happens again. And he had two more last night. One of them wasn't his fault, but it's on his ledger. I, I firmly believe that will stop. The Cowboys will win their first game in the playoffs against Tom Brady and the Bucs. Then they'll go into the divisional round. And then I don't have any idea. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they won by three. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost by six. They could be close. Yeah. I don't think them as a Super Bowl team. I, I wouldn't be surprised they get the NFC Championship game either, though. No, I mean, like I said, there's a lot to like, and there, there, there are games where you watch their defense, and Parsons and these guys are running all over the field, and, and mm. you know, and there are other games you're looking up, and they're giving up 40 to Jacksonville or, you know, whatever it might be. All right, on to the game right. you're covering. I, I find this because, uh, look, everybody who watches our show knows because of my skin in the game with our daughter. But, but, but this has been a, a – I've watched every game on television, and I've been to a couple in person. And look, everybody and his brother is basically saying they have no chance against Michigan. I don't believe that for a second. Watch right. them in the way they played and the way they've won. What makes you think they have a chance? Or do you think they have a chance? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think, you know, the one component to this that's inescapable is, Tom, most of these playoff games have been boring blowouts. I think – there have been 16 of them, and 13 of them have been decided by double digits. These are the four best teams in the country, and they're all blowouts. And that's just the way it's gone, for whatever reason. There's a thousand different theories, and I'm sure anybody who looks at this, like you just said, said, well, this will just be another 12-point, 15-point win for the favorite. Uh, I think TCU can play with them. I think, the, I think this goes back to brand stuff, and it's the idea that, Michigan's Michigan, and that's a power yeah. team from a power conference, and they're a huge power state school with all these big, giant guys. If, and, and TCU is relatively new as a, as a yeah. power. 
They are. I mean, they, they really, this only started since about 1998-ish. And even then they, were, they weren't in a power conference. I would be willing to bet all of my, I'll tell you this, this will, this will give you everything you want to know, Tommy. I love telling this story. I have taught there as an adjunct professor off and on for 10 years. Back in 2007, I taught a class, or, pardon me, 2008, conference game, middle of October. Uh, the weather had broken. It was seven o'clock, 15 kids, 13, two of them had to be at the game on Thursday night against BYU. Student asked me, Tommy, hey, well, can we go to the game? I said, yeah, absolutely. We'll cancel class, go to the game. None of them went to the game. None of them. They all want to stay in my class. It was the dumbest thing ever. I'm like, you're crazy. Go to the game. This is a great night. Go to the game. They didn't want to go. Fast forward to two years after the Rose Bowl. I have 12 kids in my class, six males, six females. I said, just out of curiosity, how many of you guys attended TCU based on the influence of the success of the football team? All 12 kids raised their hands. There's no way your daughter wanted to go here without the success of that football team. And it's, it's nothing to, to say anything disparaging about anybody. That's the influence of it, but this is all relatively new. And I think that that newness hasn't really influenced people who watch college football to think, well, CCU, they, they're not gonna win that game. What they're trying to do is basically what Notre Dame did in the modern era. That's really hard. This is a small, you've been here. It's only 10, yeah. 12,000 kids. It's really small. Michigan's got 80 million kids. Ann Arbor's a giant college town. TCU is a small school in a major metropolitan area that gets lost behind the Cowboys, Stars, Mavericks, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think it's a really good team. You just have to get your head around the idea that it's from a small school that can compete with a big team. They can. I think it'll be a fourth quarter game, and it'll come down to six, eight, ten plays. If TCU can get a turnover or two and win those kind of those kinds of cliche, you know, margins, I think they can win the game. I don't think they have any shot against Georgia, but I think they can beat Michigan. You know, one thing about Duggan that, that I like so much about him, and, I, and I'm talking about off the field more because his on-the-field mm -hmm. play speaks for itself and his guts and his toughness and his journey and getting benched to start the year after being the starter and then the guy gets hurt the first game, he's back in as a starter, and he ends up in New York at the Heisman thing. But <laughs> the, the thing that he does that I've never heard any college kid, Mac, in my life is – he talks so much about how he loves the school and how important I know. this to the I know. school. I never hear anybody That's, talk about that. Neither have I. I, I had the exact, I'm so glad you said that. I've had the exact same observation. I mean, you think about the advertising, what he has given this school. You can't put a dollar amount on it because this school, this school, this city, this school, this city, he's from a small town in Iowa. He comes down here. He wasn't, I obviously, I mean, he was heavily recruited, but not, I wasn't like Ohio State. Think about how badly Iowa would want him right now, or Iowa State oh. would want him right now. Right. Yeah, right. They would kill for him. I mean, Iowa could do nothing but punt all year. And I, I can't <laughs> think of, you know, you look at Iowa, I'm mean, probably look at Max. He's the son of a coach. And I remember hearing this when he lost the starting job. I mean, it is crazy to me. He had started 30 college games in his first three years, and he was not the starter going into his senior year. That's crazy. And he was disappointed, but he, he had manned up and said, okay, I'm gonna ride this out. But he was really nervous about telling his dad. And look how it worked out. The starters, Chandler Morris, also the son of a coach. Chad Morris was the head coach at SMU in Arkansas. I talked to Chandler yesterday in Colorado. Max comes in, that's it. And then after that, yeah. it's just been a story like everything you just said. But in the middle of that is all of this PR work 
on the part of the university that I've never seen before. You know, you always, oh, I love my teammates. I love these guys. I love these staff. Nothing like this school's amazing. Never. And he's done it. And the school, I know this, talking to administrators, they revere him for it. They, they just, they, they can't find enough words. They might be able to find a few dollars, but they can't find enough words, Tommy, to, to express their gratitude for the things that he has said on camera, on ESPN and every place else throughout these last four, four and a half months. Well, I, I just think that, you know, if you're somebody out there, and of course in Ohio, we have Ohio State, although Cincinnati's not a huge Ohio State town compared to the rest of the state, as you know, but there's still a lot of Buckeyes alums, and so that's a team most are following. You have a reason, obviously, to despise Michigan. Uh, so, but, but I just think that if you, if you have no sin in the game or blood or anti-anything or anti-anybody, it's always great to latch on to the underdog, and it's always great to find – a persona with the underdog that you would want your own kid to be like. And I mean, that's what Max Duggan is. You, you would want your son and or daughter to carry themselves on so many levels, the benching in a day and age where it's, I, me, it's all this sort of stuff, getting benched, not saying I'm out of here. And the coach is is an idiot. He just came in and blah, blah, blah. I, I just think that they're an easy team to just jump on the bandwagon for one or two games. Why not? Oh, and the but the funny part about it is, and I'm sure you've heard it, is this idea that there's this. Uh, well, Tommy, this is a Cinderella that has an endowment of two point four billion dollars. Cinderella basically worked for her sisters, mean, cruel stepsisters, and lived in a basement. You've been down here. You pay the tuition check. Okay, yeah. this is a pretty good looking Cinderella. But yeah, you know, is. when in terms yeah. of, and I don't know if you've been to a game. They get a 48,000-seat stadium. It's an amazing facility. Tommy, they can't fill it up. The school's just too small, and everybody makes fun of it, but you know how it goes. You lived in Cincinnati forever. Think about how long it took for UC to fill up forever. I mean, it took generations of coaches, great coaches, winning and winning. And this started back when Dennis Francioni was the coach in 98, and he goes to Alabama, and they promote the assistant. They didn't really want to, Gary Patterson. And then, oh, my God, that is lightning in a bottle times a thousand. And then it just mm-hmm. they kept spending money. And Tommy, the other thing, too, they just kept winning. And, and that's yeah. what they did. That's how they built their brand. And now you've got your daughter here. And it's it's a neat place. It is a great place. But in, in it's, it, it is funny, the, uh, the perception of the university and how much it's changed since I, since I moved there in 96. It was a very small regional school. And now it was known as Texas Christian University. And in about 98, the university decided we want to be known now as TCU. I remember, I, I can still see the university memo in all university stuff. It, all, it wanted to be TCU. They wanted to get away from its relationship with the Disciples of Christ Church. And they've done that. And now it's a very affluent, most, most of the kids come from California now. And it's a national yep. brand, small private school with power sports. And that's, that's what they do. Well, my friend, I know you got to get into press conferences. I can't thank you enough for your time today, Mac. And uh, I'd love to have you back. Maybe we get in the playoffs and have you back and come talk about the Cowboys and what's going on with them if you have the time. Uh, anytime. Anytime. All right, Mac. All the best. Happy New Year. And thank this you. This means so a lot. I appreciate it. Great to have him with us. And uh, and look, it's going to be it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be fun, these college football games. I hope they turn into good games. And let me bring in Casey and Paul and fellows. Uh, good morning. And uh, great to have you guys on board back there in Cincinnati. 
We're going to be doing our picks coming up a little bit later on today. As I mentioned, we're also going to be joined by Tim May. 42 years has been covering Ohio State football for the Columbus Dispatch. Much like Mac, great personality. We'll lay it out on the line, and then and, and he's down in Atlanta getting ready for that game. Fellas, are you there? We are here. We're just getting the camera set up, but we are here. We can hear you, and hopefully you can hear us. All right. Well, we have lots in the, uh, lots in the chat already, lots viewing. Um, AJ says it looks like I'm sitting on the John. I'm not, AJ. I'm not sitting on the John. I just changed rooms today because so many of you were apparently unhappy with that, whatever that wallpaper was in the other room. I think it was an elephant with people riding the elephant. I'm not quite sure. But uh, now, yeah, Emperor points out, as you can see, yeah, I mean, he points out, says, bathrooms don't normally have thermostats. Tom, what's the house set at? What's, what's the house set at? What's the temperature like down there? Well, the, the house is set at 73. I don't know why it would be on 73. Today it's going to be, I think, around 80, uh, close to 80 degrees. And uh, the nights get a little cool. But, you know, you open up all the windows down here this time of year, and it's nice. How you guys doing? You all right? Doing good. Fantastic, Fantastic. Tom. TCU, rock and roll. You know, you that? guys, by the way, may have heard about this house I'm staying in. Are you familiar at all with Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. No, I mean, that, this is it. So we're hanging out. <laughs> there. there you go. All right. So, uh, fellas, look, uh, today we're going to have um, – we're going to talk a little – let's start because we'll have more on the college football thing to come. I wanted to ask you, though, Paul, has anything changed with regard to the line in that game or where the money is going in that game? In, in, in the which game? The, the TCU-Michigan game. Uh, I no, it's it's pretty much the same as yesterday. It's like I said, I mean, I think yesterday it was fifty two forty eight. Now it's fifty one forty nine. It's it's pretty much stayed fifty fifty, um, split right down the middle. People can't make up their minds. I I, I think isn't that, that isn't that interesting. I mean, do you think it's because it's 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 a point or two more than the Ohio State Georgia game? Yeah, I mean it's it's at uh, seven and a half right now, and Georgia's at six and a half. I will say that. Um, on the money line, that the vast majority of the bets are coming in on TCU. 97% of the money is on TCU on the money line. Wow. Well, who but, did you pick yesterday on Not Too Picky? You did a but, show yesterday, right? Yeah, we picked Michigan minus 7.5. Um, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll pick all these games here coming up. But I okay. think the, the one thing you read into that on – on uh, the money line is that you just you get more value out of TCU if you think TCU yeah. is going to win the game, you know if you think that this is going to be maybe a closer game if you think TCU can win it. I mean that makes a little sense there that you know ninety seventy eight percent of the bets are on Michigan but ninety seven percent of the money is on TCU on the money line but it's fifty fifty on the spread. Okay, all right, uh, all right. We'll circle back to this a little bit later when we go through our picks. Um, want to get back to the Bengals for a second. Now, I don't know if they've released anything, probably not this morning, because uh, they're going to practice uh, here shortly. But, uh, fellas, I got to tell you, I mean, I was stunned watching. We were told you're not going to see Sam Hubbard until the playoffs, and maybe that is true. But he looked like a guy that was ready to play football, if you saw some of the video in practice yesterday. I mean, he's going full speed. He's doing the cutting with the, the, the dummies they have and all the moves you have to make as a pass rusher and all this kind of thing. Casey, I'm sure you saw it. 
Hayden Hurst is out running around a little bit more. We've already seen Hendrickson come back, um, you know, with the broken wrist. Um, there's a lot of toughness going on in that building down there right now. Or maybe they're just uh, quick healers, or maybe it's a combination of the two. But, but, but Casey, you, you have any feel on, on what you think you think Hubbard plays this week? Oh, man. As much as I want him to play, I don't think he should. Um, I'd rather have him for the Ravens than the Bills. I think he's more integral to containing Lamar than he is being like somewhat healthy, 75% healthy for the Bills game. I'd rather have him be at like 85, 90 for the Ravens than the 75 that we're seeing. So that that part, like I'm glad to see that he's practicing. He, he might be able to play the final game. He for sure will probably be able to play the wild card or if we get the bye, I mean, even better. He'll be ready to go for the playoffs for sure. Yeah. But to me, the surprise was the elevation of Isaiah Prince to start now at right tackle instead of Akima Dinaji. Did you see that? Did you hear about that? Yes. Yep. 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 Burrow kind of let that slip out a little bit, I think. He did. I think he did. I don't I don't know if they were supposed to say anything. And I don't know I, I was listening to to Zach's presser and he was just saying, you know, like Prince was out early on in the season on IR and they gave him an opportunity and he's really shined in practice, I guess, and they're gonna give him the the start, the nod. And I found that really surprising after the poor performance he had last year. So either they feel like Hakeem can't do it, is not serviceable, or they feel like Prince has improved. I don't know which is – I don't know how to how to feel about it. And yeah. I feel mixed yeah. mixed about it because he was on your practice squad. Like he, he could have been elevated at any point. But now all of a sudden – your third string guy is now starting. I don't know if that's a sign of bad things to come or good things. How do you feel? Well, about I got to tell you, the one thing, and, and believe me, I've taken my shots at Zach Taylor uh, as far as being ready to play at the start of games. We talked about the offensive line going back to training camp, uh, some of the play calling, and no coach is perfect at play calling. But there have been some just egregious decisions made in terms of play calling in key situations. I go back to that Baltimore game, and I, mean, I can't even believe they still lost that game to the Ravens uh, doing shovel passes and, and all this nonsense uh, inside the three. Uh, anyway, um, but I was going to say one thing I will acknowledge is that I think Zach Taylor and his staff are really good evaluators of players. And they have a great feel for that locker room. I mean, I, I must say, I, I think as a CEO kind of a guy, uh, as a head coach, I think that Taylor is really blossoming into a guy that when it comes to personnel decisions, personnel decisions, along with Duke Tobin and the coaching staff Taylor has around him, I think you can trust his decisions on this stuff. And look, you know, Prince was a big-time player at Ohio State. I don't know the reasons why uh, he was not drafted higher. He was a three-year starter 
uh, at tackle at Ohio State. Normally, you see those guys in programs like that, Wisconsin or Michigan or fill-in-the-blank, Alabama. Those guys are much higher draft picks. So Prince, you know, gets the chance last year. Uh, you mentioned what he's been going on this year. I mean, not even on the active roster. Um, but they must see something in him uh, that they like. I mean, I don't know if he would be considered a better pass blocker, a better run blocker compared to Adenogy. I have no idea. But I, I'm going to have to trust Taylor on this one because of his track record. It seems like every time they put somebody in, but more times than not because of injury, not because of a benching necessarily, but every time they put somebody in, that player has played and played well. Yeah, and the the body type as well is very similar to Collins and that worry of Hakeem having to play his position where they were leaving Collins out on that island, that, that the schematics, they probably won't change now because Isaiah fits the mold better than Hakeem. I, the, some people in the chat were just kind of pointing that out. Like, it's easier to go from Collins to Prince, same body type, same probably philosophy that they're going to try to instill, same schematic. They're still going to probably have him out on the island. Then Hakeem going in there, you have two small tackles if that's the case. And with Prince, you have a bigger body at the right side. So – I think yeah. with that, I, I think I think that's a smart move. I think that's smart. If they can not change anything on the line schematically, if they don't have to shade help to that side, if they can just stay the same, then we won't see a dramatic drop. But we'll see. We'll see if he can perform because he's going up against Gregory Rousseau, who's no slouch. Well, I mean, no, he's no slouch, but, it, you know, as somebody points out in the chat, he's also, you know, he's not Aaron Donald. He's not Micah Parsons. He's not, I mean, he's a good player. And, and, and you know, they, their defense is like a lot of defenses. They, they've had their moments. They've also had their moments of inconsistency. Uh, that That's one area where if there's one separation, and these two teams are so similar, MVP, quarterbacks, uh, great skill position players, um, find a way to win mentality. Um, but the, the, the Bengals defense has been more consistent than just about any defense in the NFL and certainly more consistent than Buffalo. Does that mean they're a better defense in Buffalo? I have no idea. I don't watch Buffalo play every game, but I've seen games where they've been lit up in some games and given up some big time points. Whereas the Bengals, the only time that happened all year long, the only game where they gave up big-time numbers was the first Cleveland game uh, when they were up there on that Halloween night, and they just – everything went wrong. It's the only bad game this team has played all year long. Bad, bad game, uh, top to bottom. Seven-game winning streak. Buffalo's won six in a row. Uh, I got to believe, fellas, with gambling starting in Ohio, uh, that that's going to start up, uh, what, tomorrow night at midnight. Uh, the Bengals and the Bills and the game being in town, you guys are there. I'm not. I got to believe um, it's 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 the only thing people are talking about around there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely we, – we talked about it a lot yesterday on the show. I will say, I mean, Ohio State, Georgia, I mean, I we'll talk about a weekend here in this city and around the state, yeah. like between Ohio State playing tomorrow night, which, you know, I think Ohio State fans, you can tell I, there there's some uh, – I don't want to say I don't want to say they're timid, but it's not it's not the 
It's not the over-the-top that you hear a lot of times from Ohio State fans, but combine that with the Bengals and the Bills on Monday night, and, and now the weather's starting to look better. It's warm. I mean, it's, it's 60 degrees here today, and the rain looks like it's moving out from Monday. So things are looking up for, for Monday night football. Good, good. Because the last time I left there, it was uh, 20 below. No. So yeah, it, uh, that's it, it's, for everybody. Yeah, it's about 60 degrees outside and about 100 degrees here in the studio. <laughs> Why do That's you have nice a sweatshirt on then? I because it's TCU, but my sleeves are rolled up. I'm sweating. It's nice Gosh. in here now, Tom. It's nice. Real yeah, but nice. we know what's coming. Okay, so enjoy it while it lasts. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got Tim May coming up in about 15 minutes. I'm really excited to have him on because he is the dean of covering Ohio State football. Uh, he went into their Hall of Fame, in fact, uh, as one of only two media members, I think, all time. Uh, but let's get to some picks here today, boys. And let's start talking about some of the things going on um, and what the weekend's going to look like as we're down to the final two weeks of the NFL season. Um, after games on Sunday, we'll start to, to, to get a feel for what game is going to be flexed out. If I were a betting man, uh, I, I'd bet a lot of money on it being Tennessee, Jacksonville, winner take all. We'll move to Sunday night. They're not going to ask, I don't think, the Bengals – uh, and the Ravens to uh, uh, to play Sunday night uh, after the Bengals are playing on a Monday night. Uh, so we'll see. But right, so, um, so here, start, man. here's our record before we get going. Here's our record. Tom, uh -oh. you are right on the heels. Uh-oh. Not good. But it doesn't matter. Oh, it's go really undefeated. good. It's going to be an undefeated weekend for me. Okay, well, you you may you said that yesterday, and we're about to find out. So we're All starting right. with games today, are we not, Paul? Are we starting with college football today with a Fighting Irish? We are. We're gonna pick. Uh, oh, we we have one more in here that we didn't that I have not thrown in here yet that I'm gonna add into the Google Doc right now um, that you'll see me okay. adding in. Uh, we're gonna pick the All Orange right. Bowl too. We we I didn't throw that in there, but yes, we're gonna start with South Carolina and Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. Okay, and this is and, no, um, Notre Dame minus three and a half. And uh, I'm going to take South Carolina in this one. I think that South Carolina is capable of scoring a lot of points with Rattler at quarterback. Uh, they're playing their best football of the year. You know, it's hard to say what a month off does to any of these teams because we've seen great teams that get this month off that were on a roll and they come back 30 days after their last game and they lay an egg and they have a hard time getting it together. Uh, but, but I just think that, South Carolina can score, and I don't think Notre Dame can score much. But we'll find out. I'm taking right. the Gamecocks. Casey? I am taking the Gamecocks as well. Oh. I, um, I'm going to follow Mike Schmaltzy's advice. Schmaltzy! Yeah. All right. That's tough, too, because he's, uh, he's a Notre Dame guy. All right, I'm going to take the Irish here at plus three and a half. Okay. Full season's wacky. Maybe I can pick up a game. I don't know. Well, I had to say that very quietly because my wife is a, is a Golden Domer as well. So I have to be quiet. She's sitting in the other room that I just picked against her alma mater. Okay, what's next? Uh, Tom, for the final time this year, the men from A-Town. <laughs> OU. Enough said. OU. That's it. Casey. Leaders of men. Giving Tom, a tail kick in Wyoming out there in Arizona. Tom is Aurora claim. No, he's done for the year. 
Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Casey, are you really going to fade OU now? You can't. We've done it all year. We've been on the OU train all year. But, but it's a legitimate question Casey is asking because oh. Curtis, when they played in the MAC championship game, I mean, God bless the kid Harris who was good. in there. He had won a big he, game the week before. Do you but, see what Tom's but, but, doing but, I mean, to you right now, Casey? Do you see what he's doing to you right now, Casey? He's convincing you to fade OU after you've done it all year. He's trying to pick up a game on you. No, He's I'm playing mind OU. games with you. I, I'm fading OU. Whoa! Yeah, I'm the sorry. The Cowboys. Sorry, Bobcats. No love. No love. No faithfulness. No loyalty. Tom, give me the Bobcats. Give me the Bobcats. Minus well, you'll still have a job when I get back. <laughs> Tennessee. All right, what do we got next? Tennessee Clemson, the only one we hadn't already picked. You know, this is a hard one because uh, the, the Tennessee quarterback went down, was having a phenomenal year. Um, I really have not paid much attention to Tennessee since that game. Clemson had their starter. He's already left school, uh, and he's going out to Oregon State. But the other kid was starting to play a little bit. You know, I, I'm going to take Tennessee. Wow. Okay. This is a tough one, too, you know, just for all the things that you said, the Hendon Hooker situation. Um, I can't even pronounce the the Clemson old quarterback's name, so I'm not going to try. Ulungale. Ulungale. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, I, he's gone. Um, I'm just going to quickly look at Tennessee's uh, – I mean, it's by minus six. It is by minus Clem six, Casey. Clemson's? The Clemson's. <laughs> Clemson's favored in that game, right? Minus six. Minus yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm i changing mine to Tennessee, too. I, wow, I had it on Clemson, balls. All right. Uh, I'm also going to take the balls. I think six is a big number in these wacky, like I said, games, bowl yeah, games. You don't know who's playing. Too many guys are out. What the hell's yeah. going on here? All right, uh, we are going to do the first semifinal game, TCU and Michigan, Michigan minus seven and a half. Are you kidding me? Come on. Come on. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. <laughs> yeah, TCU for me too. Let's get it done. All right. Well, we're uh, – where I, I don't showed... tell me, Paul. Paul, do not tell me you're wearing a TCU sweatshirt and you're about to go to the dark side. Well, here's here's do not I... tell me that. if you're going to pick the other guys, take take the damn sweatshirt off. Here's here's you what I'm gonna on under there. Here, here's what I'm gonna ask. Of course I do. I have a Xavier shirt on underneath here, Tom. Here's what I'm gonna ask you, Tom. Are they playing I... in a bowl game? <sighs> they might be in a few years. Who knows? They might here... be. You're right. They might. Here's here's what I'm gonna ask you. I, as somebody that gave out Michigan yesterday on Not Too Picky, I was not wearing the TCU hoodie yesterday. Am I allowed to show loyalty to the brand today, or do I have to stick with Michigan? Because that's what I'm going to pick is Michigan. You, know, you do what you think is best. You're trying to win this thing, and the only reason you're ahead is because one week Trace picked for you, and he won every game. So <laughs> you do whatever you think is best. I am going to take Michigan minus 7.5. It pains me. Oh. I, I – I'm wearing the TCU hoodie, and if TCU wins, and maybe if they cover, I might still come in wearing this hoodie on Monday. But I think Michigan's just too much for TCU in this one. 
Okay. Although I don't love it as much at seven and a half because I do think TCU can muck it up. And if you think about it, um, you know, say this is like a 14-point game at the end and TCU does something, you know, scores with two minutes left, tries to get an onside kick, they bring it within seven. Hey, that's within the number. So at seven and a half, I don't love it, but I do think that Michigan can uh, can get enough to cover this number. All right. Okay. Take All right. it off. Take it off. I might off. have to anyway. Take it about. off. Take it off. I'm a fraud. That's I'm lame. a fraud. I'm a fraud. Lame. I'm lame. a fraud. All right. Uh, the uh, the last college football game that we're going to pick this year. Oh, no, wait, no, because we're going to pick the national championship. But the last one for this weekend is Ohio State and Georgia. <laughs> Move on. Casey. System plays the Ohio State. Uh-oh. I'm going to Ohio State uh, as much as it pains me. I don't I don't like picking Ohio State. They have not been doing well when it comes to covering the spread. But it's a system play, man. I got to uh, go with it. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this with every ounce, every fiber of my being. But I'm going to take the Buckeyes. I'm yeah. going to take the Buckeyes. What? I'm going to yeah. take the Buckeyes. We're all taking Bucks. We're all taking the Buckeyes. I cannot believe you two guys are picking Ohio State, especially I, I, you, Paul. It, it, all right, it's let's move on. I can't, I can't on. believe it either. All right. Well, we got to get these in before Tim comes in. Let's go. All right, let's rock it through it. We got five NFL picks here. Kansas City and Denver. Kansas City minus 12 and a half. I'm taking Denver. It's too, too many points. Denver's first game without uh, Hackett around there. Maybe they show up and then go play. Compete, at least. Compete. Compete! <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also taking Denver. Okay, yeah, I'm going to take Denver, too. This is a wacky one, and everybody knows I hate the big spreads. Carolina, Tampa Bay, Bucks minus three and a half. Uh, I'm taking the Buccaneers. Uh, they're a proven product with a, with a main man at quarterback. I, I think they win the game. Yeah, I think I'm taking Tampa, too. They, they just have too good of a defense, and it's Tom Brady. I don't know what to do here. Uh, I have not looked at this game at all, if anybody's actually tailing my picks. This is one that I have not looked at. I'm going to take Tampa Bay, though. Uh, yeah, this is one I wanted to go the other way on. Uh, that's a very, different, it's a very different Carolina team than we saw uh, come in here and get boat raced by the Bengals. I mean, they're, they're really playing well. Um, but it is Tom Brady, and I guess I'll ride that mule. Um, it, it was going from a horse to a mule, although Jesus rolled in on a mule. So perhaps it, it's, it's a good sign that Brady's now on a mule. So go ahead. <sighs> I'm taking, the I'm taking the Bucks. Miami and New England, Patriots minus two and a half. Fighting Mac Joneses. Tua's not Gosh, playing. I, can't I, I cannot. What? Tua is not playing. Can yeah, I, right. I, I can't believe I'm picking New England, but I'm going to pick New England. I think they're awful. Uh, their defense is okay, but Miami's season is spinning out of control, and now you got all the controversy of the Tua concussion thing. Is he ever going to play again? Uh, it, it, it has gone from – Everybody thinking Miami was going to the Super Bowl to all of a sudden, are they even going to get in the playoffs? And the wheels are falling off quickly for the Dolphins. Yeah. Casey, you said you wanted to switch a pick. Yeah, I'm taking Carolina. I went Ooh. back and looked at the – I looked I looked back at the last time the Panthers played Tampa, and it was 21-3, to and that was when they were bad. And now they're good. Well, playing better. They're not – Good. They're playing better, so give me give me the Panthers 
Okay. Casey, New England, and Miami. I'm taking New England. I, I think New England actually sneaks into the to the playoffs. So I'm taking New England. Okay. Uh, oh God, this is ugly. I can't believe I'm taking this many favorites. I hate this. This is bad. I'm gonna have a bad weekend. New England, Cleveland, and Washington minus two and a half uh, for the for the Fighting Wizards. Tom, the Washington Football Wizards were led by. Ron Rivera. I'm taking them. Rivera. Riverboat Leader Ron. of men. All Gets right. it done. Give me Washington. Washington. Oh, boy. Well, see, you... see, no, we're all picking the same in these NFL games. Nobody's going to make up ground anywhere. I don't like this, but we wouldn't be true to our word if we started picking Cleveland now. So, I can't. Carson Wentz is starting this game. Are we you really picking? You know what? Picking... Flip my pick. Flip my pick. I'm taking Cleveland. Oh, Got to make up some ground somewhere, Tom. I love it. That's exactly right. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Casey here. I'm going to take Washington, although I hate, hate, hate this pick. Carson Wentz. I don't see an edge anywhere in these games. Carson Wentz, what the hell are we doing here? What are we doing? All right. Hey, your guy had his chance. Heineke, you can't say he didn't get a chance. It's true. You're right. True. That is true. All right. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Ravens minus two and a half. Without Lamar Jackson. I will take the men of aluminum. I think they've got something going on there, and they're not officially eliminated yet. They got something going on there with Pickett and that defense. Not going to be long before the men of aluminum again become the men of steel. Oh, well, I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, I, let me quickly look at this real quick. Oh, man. It might actually be a system play to pick the Ravens. Oh, no, it's definitely moved a lot. Um, I, I got to take the Steelers. I, I hate the Ravens with a burning passion. Everyone knows that. And they know my story. I'm taking the Steelers. Steelers, all three of us. God, I hate the Steelers, but I'm going to take them too. Pit, 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 all the way across the board. And the last one, the last one. Cincinnati Bengals, that's the team we're going to cheer to victory. Touchdown Bengals, put some points up on that board and the game for Cincinnati. Bengals, Homer Show. Homer Show. I mean, it's, you know, just when you think your career has hit rock bottom, uh, there's a piece of wood floor that up and you drop further down. And that's where we are. Bengals plus one at home. Monday night football. Give me the Bengalis. Bengalis for sure. Cross the board, I'm sure. Because Casey, he would pick the Bengals to beat the 72 Dolphins. I would. I would. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, I'm taking the Bengals to win. I I, I would take the money line. Don't give me that. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, sure. I would I, I'd yeah. Take money. at one yeah. when when this thing opened around two and a half, maybe you could have bought up to three. Like that's different. But now that it's down to one, yeah, if you're gonna do this, just take the Bengals straight up. All right, do we have Tim May yet, fellas? We do not. Do not yet. Okay, he should be any minute now. Um, yeah, that that you know that that, that old Lamar Jackson thing. I 
I got to tell you, something doesn't feel right about this thing uh, to me with him because they originally thought, you know, it would be a week by week kind of thing, which I think when you hear something like that, it leads you to believe, okay, this might last one week, maybe on the outside it lasts two weeks. And now all of a sudden you're drifting into a third and a fourth week. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe they're looking at it like, hey, what's the point? Uh, the chances of us beating uh, both the, the, the Steelers and the Bengals in back-to-back weeks is unlikely. If we lose once, it's over. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they're just sitting them down, and, and they're going to wait either until that last game of the year if they have a chance to win the division, or maybe they just start with him in the playoffs because they're going to be the number five seed. Well, it doesn't really matter who they have at quarterback because, I mean, their backup is 3-1 and one since he's been gone. Just saying. Just – just pointing that yeah, out there. That's, that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. But he's not Lamar Jackson. Uh, uh, the one the one thing I will say here, and I know this is switching topics just a little bit, but since we're on what we just did, uh, this is our last show before betting becomes officially legal and launched on yes. Saturday, uh, Sunday morning, I guess it would be, at midnight, tomorrow night, New Year's Eve. Um it, we have posted a Discord link in the chat. It's pinned to the top of the chat. If anybody uses Discord, that's where we have a lot of our, our betting picks in there. We created it yesterday. We're going to be using that a lot. So you can go in there. You stay tuned on Twitter. We do the not-too-picky as well. All that stuff. So we have you covered. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's here. We're 36 hours away. Paul, if there is one bet that you would make, because you're a gambling kind of a guy. <laughs> I need that as a sound clip. Yeah. Uh-oh. Tom? You know what? If we never hear from Tom again, I'm glad that's the last line we heard. Gambling you're a gambling kind of guy. Bet from that weekend, you okay. got in your pocket and you're putting it all on one game. What would it be? This weekend? Yeah, either college, pro, whatever. Over the next 72 hours, we've got some great football. What would you bet on? Or would you bet on some tired Davidson, Coastal Carolina basketball game that you're staying up till 2 in the morning to watch? Now, it would be a college basketball game, but for something that the people will all watch and will all care about, um, I'm going to steal it from Trace. It would be Ohio State plus 6.5. Really? Yeah. I, it well, would. I can't believe the way you guys have jumped on the Buckeyes bandwagon. Oh, trust game. me. I'm not on the bandwagon, but I'm on the betting bandwagon. Okay. All right. Um, any luck with Tim yet or no? Nope. He's not in yet. Okay. Um, let me check and see if he sent me a message of some kind. They have all these um, weird, you know, um, press conference stuff you have to go to and that kind of thing. So just trying to find out if he has sent me a message. Um, no, I said 1045 Eastern. I'll ask him. Everett wants to know what's your go-to beverage this New Year's Eve, Tom? Well, I got to tell you, uh, I have been partaking in multiple beverages here over the last three days. Uh, I'm not proud of it. Um, I'm not all that comfortable discussing it, but, uh, you got to go back to the, you, you know, you got, you got TCU tomorrow. Um, we're going to a, a, uh, a, a, a gathering with some other parents who have kids that go to school down there. 
So we're going to go to that for a while. And, and I mean, you got to pace yourself because tomorrow night, I mean, dialed in 8P, not missing a single snap. My main man, Luke, and I and a few other folks are going to be watching that Ohio State game. So probably just a cold beer, Paul, to usher in the new year. All right. So is the reason you're not comfortable discussing it is because you've been drinking White Claw? High noon. I had a friend of mine yesterday who opened up something called a topo something. You know what I'm talking a about? Topo Chico. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's some kind of seltzer thing, right? I it's mean, good. oh my God. <laughs> it was a margarita in, in one of those, right? Isn't that what it yeah. was? Yeah, it's good. And I looked at him and I said, you know, Walter, I said, I knew you win because we go way back. And I said, I knew you win. I knew when you'd mix in a, he grew up in Ireland. So, you know, he's an Irish guy. And, and, and I said, I remember you'd have, you know, a cold beer, you'd have an Irish whiskey uh, and water. Uh, and now knocking on the door of 60, you're drinking Topo something, whatever that is. Tom, don't knock it till you try it. Give it a shot. Crack a cold one with the boys atop of Chico. I mean, I'm looking at some of these guys on our chat. I mean, what happened to my boy, Sir, Sir Boy Wonder? He was always in my corner. And now he accuses me of not being fun. That Nothing could be further from the truth in the entire world than that. Uh, somebody else says... Um, Emperor uh, says uh, White Claw is too fizzy for him. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, those Topo things are all fizzy, right? Yeah, they're good. They're good, Tom. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We sold them at the Bearcat Bash. <laughs> okay. They're good. Speaking of the Bearcats, they got a win last night in basketball, right? Did you go to the game, Paul? I did not go. I watched it. Um, they were they were up by 17 in the first half, and then it got down to six with less than five minutes to go. Uh, Landers Nolly, he was a leading scorer. He had over 20. I think it was 22 or 23. Um, played well. I thought Jeremiah Davenport, he was only one for eight from three. Uh, people didn't really like the shot selection, and I get that. But I thought – Davenport started to fill his role a lot better than he has earlier in the year. And I think that was always the issue that fans had with him. Um, but I thought last night, especially as the game went on and got into the second half, he was starting to make the right play, find the right spot on the court. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, last, last season opener for UC in the, in the AAC before they go to the Big 12. 1-0 yep. in the American. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with some buddies last night uh, who uh, lived down in uh, Austin, Texas. And we were talking about Cincinnati moving into the Big 12 last night. And of course, it's, 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 it's uncertain, at least right now, when Texas and Oklahoma are officially leaving the Big 12. We know they're leaving the Big 12, but what year they're actually going to move into the SEC and start competing in football and basketball and so forth. And and, and they, they were talking about these guys are, are our season ticket holders for the, te the Texas basketball games. And they're very excited about their team. You know all about them, Paul. Sure. And all that kind of thing. Let me know when Tim is ready. If, he, if he's here, just jump in and interrupt me. Yep. Um, 
But, um, you know, they, they were talking about that league, game in and game out, watching basketball in the Big 12. You know, around, around Cincinnati, you know, we're thinking about the football, it seems like, more times than not, and playing against some of these teams, the TCUs, the Oklahomas, the Texas, you know, whatever uh, of the world. But when you think about that basketball conference and the teams that are going to come rolling in here to play UC, I mean, every three, four days, man, you're getting a juggernaut. Well, it's the best conference in college basketball. And right now in the Big 12, the worst team is Kansas State, and they're ranked 51st. Think about that. The worst team yeah. in the Big 12 is ranked 51st. So it doesn't, and, and they're 11 and 1 on the year. Think about that. The team with the worst record right now is Oklahoma. No, make it Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is ranked 29th, and they're 8 and 4. I mean, think about that. Think about the talent, the depth. From the top to the bottom, Kansas 11 and 1, Texas 11 and 1. Now, Texas has the issues right now with Chris Beard. Chris Beard not yeah. coaching the team after everything that happened with him. Um, you know, who knows if, if he'll even be back, if, if they will let him go, if he'll be fired. You know, we don't know what the situation Well, you know, is. I was talking about this topic with these guys from Texas last night. And, and, and again, these are hardcore live in Austin, not football guys. These are basketball guys. And the whole discussion came up on Beard. And, you know, one of the guys is like, listen, you know, his fiance, uh, who I guess, you know, the, the, you read the papers down there, has had some issues before, whatever they might be. I'm not saying that she's wrong. And, 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 and if something did happen, he certainly should be prosecuted. But she is not going to file charges. Um, I don't know if, if at that point in time, unless there's another witness that saw anything or whether they were the only two people that were in the house at the time when all of this happened. Um, if there's not another witness, there's no way the prosecuting attorney can bring this to a trial if you don't have a witness. Well, the, the Texas so, state. So then, then we get into like some of the, you know, the, the cancel crowd that already is asking questions today. Why is Chris Beard still the coach of Texas? Well, I mean, right now, as we sit here, we don't have pictures of a woman who's been hit or a bloody nose or a swollen eye or a concussion. All of these things that if they happen, he's gone and should be gone immediately. But that's not what we have here. And you have people that want to fire this guy right now. Yeah, I, there is a Texas state law, and I don't, I don't, I should say, I don't know if it's Texas or if it's the University of Texas, how they handle these kinds of cases individually. But just because she says she wants to drop it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Right. They, they still can right. and probably will prosecute this case. And like you said, we, maybe those pictures haven't been released, but sadly, this is all too often a case in, in these domestic violence issues where. You have this kind of a thing where the the spouse says, no, you know what, like it's okay. But really yeah. in the end, it's not okay and it should be prosecuted and it should be taken seriously. So, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't, none of that has been released and we'll see that as it goes along. But if that does happen and he does get fired, then you find yourself in a, in a pretty precarious situation if you're Texas where you just built this new arena. You had who was the probably one of the top five coaches in college basketball right now and somebody that yeah. had completely, completely re-energized that program and that team. And think about the Texas – think about if Texas football got back to where it had been a national providence, prominence, right? Like Texas is back. Texas is back. Think about if Texas actually was back, the renovations they've done to, to the stadium there and yeah. how 
and everything and the facilities and and to have Texas football and basketball be at the level that tex Texas basketball is at right now would just be incredible for the brand. And now to have this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly they have the talent that you would think that they can overcome this, at least for this year. But Chris Beard was on track to be maybe top three nationally as far as coaches go. He was right there at the top, and he was he was right on the precipice of winning a national championship back in 2019 with Texas Tech, moves across the state and goes to Austin, and now has this happen. So, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty uh, precarious situation for Texas. You have to handle this the right way. You're right that there is there are two sides to this where, you know, you, you have to figure out what's right, and, and you don't want to get a situation like this wrong and, and – uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't really they have just better make sure they just better make sure they just better make sure. And again, I don't want anybody to misunderstand my, my thought on this. Any man that ever strikes a woman, that's it. You're done. Period. That's the way I've always felt about. And I think anybody who's been raised uh, to understand and respect women, that, that that's just a no brainer. But if there are no pictures of, of signs of violence against this woman, and this woman is not going to press charges against this guy. And you're right. It doesn't mean that the prosecutors can't still try the case. But if the only two people in the room are him and her, you can put her on the witness stand and she'll just plead the fifth. She doesn't have to testify. She can just sit up there and plead the Fifth Amendment. And, and, and Beard can do the same thing. Now, if there are more people that were there, it's a different ball game, but there better damn sure be evidence that something went down in that place that night where you can you can fire a man from doing his job or a from doing their job. You make sure that th this isn't a rush to judgment sort of a thing where uh, it's all about throw the book at Beard and we don't know all the facts. Maybe he is as guilty as the day lo is long, and if he is then run his ass out of there in a heartbeat, period. Yep. Uh, All right. So I don't know where. Um, I don't okay. know. Okay, Tim's not around. I don't know either. I, I texted him, and I don't know what's going on. He said that he had said to me that they had some issues um, where they were having to hang out in Atlanta in the dome down there, and there were a lot of writers complaining about internet access and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know if some of that's going on or not. Um, well, I thought but, we could bring in Trace, and he could talk to you about the Georgia OSU game because he's studied this game religiously for about a month. Okay, Wait, Tracer, how you doing, big boy? You all right? Tom. Hang on one how second. are you? I think Casey's working on trying to get me on screen, but nonetheless, or there he is. can Tom hear me? Tom yes, can he hear can. you. Yeah, right? I hear you. All right. Yeah. Tom, that won't be the first there time Ohio is. State lets you down this weekend. So hopefully that, that isn't a sign for things to come. Now, I will say we miss you around the office. It feels really nice here, finally. Um, don't have any temperature problems, but I did get something this week that I decided to wear. And by the way, I don't know if you can see this or not, but I mean... I just was given this the other day. This is a prestigious award. This is something that not many people have in the world. This is called the Broken Club Invitational Champion. And I don't know if you can see or not, but my name is right there. So yeah. it's going to be on this desk for the next month until they come back and take it away because you don't get these things that often, you know? What is that for? Some what don't that get for? these for like many years, like 2014 type stuff. 
Say it again. <laughs> Where is I, I? I picked up on that. Some others may not. What What is that for? What is that given to you? So for? what did so you? So we go on a golf. Or is this Is this like a participation trophy, no. Hamilton, Ohio? Country? <laughs> no, participation trophies were only really made up by your generations of people. You know, our types of it groups. Is. Our generation. I agree. Our generation, we don't do participation trophies. No, no, it's not a participation trophy. It's a golf trip. Um, it just so happened that I got invited to go on a few years back from Sean. And, um, you know, the first year I went, they made me a B player. They would categorize you A, B, C, and D. They made me a B player. And um, I played relatively well. So there was a huge argument about should Trace be an A player? Should he be a B player? I said, you know, I mean, I play golf like 10 times a year, guys. You guys are playing in leagues. You guys got like 100 rounds underneath your belt. I come in, I play like six times a year. I got three kids. I'm in the office all the time. But if you need to make me an A player because you guys aren't good enough, then go ahead. So they made me an A player this past year. And it just so happens that I took the trophy home as an A player. So Amen, brother. Amen. tough sledding for Amen. them. So are you? Are, how confident are you in this game? In all honesty, I mean, I know that Ohio no, look, State. I don't fans... think. I don't think that, that that either side on this deal can say with full assurance that they feel very, very confident about this game, and the reasons are, are quite obvious. Georgia uh, has surpassed Alabama as the king of the SEC, uh, and that's saying something. Um, you know, they, they, they're on this incredible win streak that they've got going on. They're undefeated this season. They've been ranked number one, and rightfully so, all year long. But the team that was ranked right behind them all year long, and most people felt like would be the national championship game when all is said and done, instead it's a semifinal game, is Ohio State. And as far as talent, just pure talent, Ohio State is the only team that is in the same talent galaxy as Georgia. Uh, the offensive weapons, the, the the firepower, all those kinds of things that Ohio State can bring into any game. Now, you know, I, I think it's fascinating this whole Ryan Day thing, Trace, because the guy's 45 and 5, but there are people out there that think since Urban left, Ohio State has gotten soft. Now, I don't know whether that's fair or not, they don't run the ball like they used to, just even with the fact that they have these star, five-star recruit running backs running around all over the place, and the same thing on the offensive line. But that is that is a narrative out there that some people believe it's true. I don't know if it's true or not, but they got run over by Michigan last year. They got run over by Michigan this year, and those are the two biggest games they've played lately under Ryan Day. Two years ago, he had a monster win in the college football playoff over uh, Clemson, and then they got boat raced by Bama uh, in the title game. But but I don't think either team either team can can walk in, even the most ardent fan uh, of of Georgia or Ohio State, and, and feel totally confident about winning this game. You got to agree with that, right, Trace? Uh, I do agree with that. The one thing that I keep hanging my hat on, and as you know, I I we there's this system that we that we really have become quite cult leaders too. Um, and it, it, it all signs are pointing towards Ohio State, right? And I've, did, I've been for the past month, as many have known, I've seen it coming. As soon as they put the line out, I knew the deal. Um, I've been trying to figure out, you know, what it is that maybe they see or they're hanging their hat on. And I think it is just the athleticism. It's the talent. It's the ability to be able to stretch the field. You're going to throw the ball downfield against young, 
young DBs that really haven't been proven all that well. I will say this. Chris Smith um, is a guy that's probably one of the most smart, best football players in the country. I don't know if he gets the name recognition per se, but you'll see in this game, Chris Smith will make some plays. Now, whether or not it's enough, I don't know. But you got Lassiter, who's a, who's a young DB for Georgia. You have Ringo, who made the big pick six last year for Georgia, who quite frankly has become kind of like the, the, the poster child or the guy which everyone's going to point to. As soon as they come on the broadcast, they're going to talk about number five and Ringo for Georgia. They're going to show some highlights of him getting burnt. And then they're going to show a highlight of him making an incredible play against Tennessee in the corner of an end zone where he, he made an interception. I don't know how that's going to stack up for Georgia. It's hard to say. I do think this, as a Georgia fan, that's the one thing I hang my hat on. If there's a way in which possibly this game gets close towards the end, I just trust the culture that is at Georgia under Kirby Smart than I do at Ryan Day in Ohio State. I don't. It doesn't mean that Ohio State can't win. It just means that I do think there's a little more physicality. There's there's a there's a belief system and toughness at Georgia that is light years different than it ever was when when Mark Rick was there. And I love Mark Rick, but it's just a different breed of competitive nature uh, that comes from Georgia. So I do think Georgia holds the edge in that category. I don't think Georgia's more talented than them, which I think is a little bit maybe of an indictment on Ryan Day, perhaps, if Ohio State were to lose this game again, because for all intents and purposes, you know, Georgia has a lot of guys they're relying on that theoretically aren't going to be big-time NFL players, right? You have Ladd McConkey, who's a wide receiver, who's like a two- or three-star coming out of high school. You have Stetson Bennett. His story has been told a thousand which ways. You know the story about him. And then on defense, like I said, you have a bunch of young guys. You had replaced like nine guys last year that went to the NFL. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Really difficult. it's really difficult to assume and imagine that you're going to be able to hold up the same way you would have last year with a historic defense. So Georgia fans are going to ha are going to point to two things. One, in, in Kirby we trust. You're going to hear the saying of that. And the second thing is, is like I don't know if I buy into the notion that Georgia's defense is the same as last year's, even though statistically it looks very much the same. You know what I'm saying? When you watch them on the yeah, field, there's no they're way. not the yeah, same. You're, you're right. No way, no way. That Georgia defense last year was one of the top defenses in the last 25 years in college football, and it proved out when virtually everybody and his brother that started for that team wound up. They set an all-time record for players drafted in a single draft from one school. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way. It's not to say those guys, like you said, they're so young. It's not to say that in a year or two from now that, that, that all those guys, when they're going to be in their final year of eligibility or you know maybe a guy wants to come out a year early, whatever it might be, Maybe they'll be that same kind of defense, but they're not today. And they haven't faced they haven't faced a quarterback this year that, that's in the same league as CJ Stroud. I mean, they simply haven't. The no. way the schedule lines up, you know, Tennessee, you know, uh, the kid the kid was having a great year, but he's not CJ Stroud. I mean, Stroud's gonna be a top five pick in a the draft. Uh, they've not faced that kid, you know, the kid at LSU's okay. Uh, he had his moments this year. Um, you know, the Oregon game was so long ago that I don't even put that on the radar um, because, I mean, hell, that's back in August. So, you know, you go through the season and 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 I just, you know, I have the Kentucky guy's okay. He's okay. But, I mean, he's not Stroud. He's not Williams. He's not, you know, Duggan or any of these guys. So, you know, it, it, I just think that this is the first time that they have seen a team 
with a big-time quarterback and without a doubt the best receiving core of any college football team in the country. Of that, there cannot even be debated. I mean, their three top guys are like the Bengals of the NFL, in Igbuka, Fleming, and Harrison, who's the best receiver in college football. Now, I know they face some great skill players this year. Kid of Tennessee is great, uh, won the Blitnikoff Award, but I don't think they have faced a group of skill position players like this group. You watch every game. You agree with I that? I do. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that very much. And I don't want to sit here and sound like a shill for Ohio State because I can't stand Ohio State at the end of the day, and I hope Georgia pounds pounds them. But I'm also going to face reality and understand that the truth is uh, Tennessee is not a comparable product to no. Ohio State. The reason for that no. isn't because they don't have the skill guys. I think, I think Tennessee has guys that are relatively pretty good. But the system in which Tennessee runs, they they take really really wide splits, and not to get you know knee deep in the X's and O's, but their their receivers for the large part are standing five feet from the out of bounds marker when they line up, and what the reason they do that is for a, a, a myriad of reasons. But at the same time, Ohio State runs a little more of like a pro style type of offense in regards to shotgun. You know, I know that CJ isn't underneath center all that often, but one thing that's important for Ohio State, and I don't know whether or not. I know Mayan Williams was was out a, a, one specific day for quote unquote he had some stomach issues or had a, a bug yeah. or whatever it was. I I don't know and I have a theory that they just use that as an excuse to keep him out of media days. I don't I, I, that is maybe a, too big of a conspiracy theory. I'm not trying to cast the fact that they didn't want him to talk to the media, but it just so happened to be the same exact day that they were supposed to be yeah. talking to the media is the day that he had a stomach bug and and didn't practice. Um so I, I would just say Ohio State's going to have to run the football a little bit. Not a ton, but just a little bit. And one thing I wanted to get your thought on, Tom, is this. I had heard yesterday um, the, a, a relatively decent, insightful thought that I, that I want to see what your opinion is on this. Ryan Day was accused of what in the Michigan game? He was accused maybe of being too conservative. Would, would you agree with that? You know, I... I, I, you know, I was at the game. I don't know. I, I think oftentimes when you're at a game, you don't have the full appreciation of the of the what's going on in the game because there's so much going on around you as opposed to maybe watching it on television where, you know, you, you're sitting back there and you're taking in everything and they put up, you know, what your drives have done and how many plays and the end result of the drive and all that. kind. Of, it just felt like they never, ever, ever after the first drive where they went right down the field and score a touchdown. Then they had a couple of other plays deep in Michigan territory where this could have turned into a bloodbath. I mean, it looked like it was going to be an Ohio State route. And then, you know, Michigan hits the one big play. Uh, Ohio State uh, has a drop pass. Uh, they have another drop pass. They have a third or fourth and one, and they can't convert. And the next thing you know, it just explodes the other way. Now, I don't know if I would have called his play calling uh, conservative. To me, um, I think near the end of that season, it looked a lot like Stroud uh, was, was playing not to lose the Heisman. Yeah, so that's this the is a guy. They got, they got to cut him loose. I mean, they have just got to cut him loose. You're right. They're going to need to run the ball. And I think Mayan Williams is a hell of a back. I mean, Henderson has all the tools that the pro game might want. Um, and I saw he's with the team after having his foot forth. But, I mean, Williams is a hell of a back. And yeah. and he's strong and he's a punishing runner and all. And I think they can run it. 
But when you've got guys like they've got, not even throw in the tight end Stover, and that's where Georgia has two phenomenal tight ends. But right. but they they have got to let if, if the protection can hold up. And I don't know a lot about Georgia's pass rush, but but it's these okay. receivers, okay. Well, these receivers, have, I mean, it, they've got to let Stroud put the ball in playmakers' hands, and Stroud is the best playmaker they have. Yeah. So so here's here's the thought with this is I I do think when I say conservative I don't mean that that I meant more of along, along the lines of the the play calling I do think when I watch Ohio State games from time to time, you know the the whole like side the screen pass on the outside you know I I don't know if that's gonna beat Georgia quite frankly because their defensive backs are very physical they're gonna be able yeah. to shed those blocks that the wide receivers are trying to make and then be able to just make a tackle for a two or three yard gain I don't see that being successful. But I do think that there's this notion or this thought that 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 what you were saying about C.J. Stroud, I felt I felt maybe about Ryan Day. I think there was a lot of pressure on Ryan. Ryan knows how much that Michigan game means. He's he's had conversations, you said obviously with Urban about just that specific game, and that's it. So there's no there's no reason to believe that he didn't feel pressure. There wasn't some tense nature that that when you go into that game, you might not play free and easy per se and when you we all know as uh whether you played athlete uh, athletics even at a young age or at a high high level we all can agree that you play your best when you're playing free and easy when you're not really thinking a whole lot when you're just going out there and you're just letting it rip i think ohio state's best attribute in this game is that they genuinely do probably believe they were given a second life they got nothing to lose they're supposed yep. to lose to georgia there's no reason that if you go out there and you lose that you're the failure's of you know of the entire fan base they're gonna kill you for it et cetera, et cetera. now of course they're probably gonna catch some heat for losing but it's not like losing to michigan two times in a row it's not like michigan yeah. in your losing to michigan in your own stadium right so there's two different types of pressure this is not the same pressure that they had when they played against michigan i expect and i would be shocked if ohio state doesn't stretch the field vertically and try to make more and more throws down the field and just live with the result if 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 they can't pass protect long enough to do that then obviously that'll be an issue but it's not like Ohio State doesn't have an offensive line that isn't capable of obviously pass protecting and they have guys that are going to play in the league on that offensive line so I would just say those are the things you hang your hat on if you're an Ohio State fan and the thing that I hang my hat on as a Georgia fan is just the fact of what you said at the beginning is the culture of Ohio State with Ryan Day truly tough are they really physical do they really want to get punched in the mouth for four quarters? Or is the third or fourth quarter going to roll around and Georgia's just going to decide to run counters, run pitches to the outside, have pulling guards coming down on those, you know, those linebackers who aren't all that big per se, right? I mean, I, that's the one thing that's changed really with a lot of college football is linebackers aren't built the way they used to be built because they got to cover in space now. So Georgia tries to take advantage of that. They run counters. And then the third and fourth quarter, you get tired of blocking those guys. You get tired of trying to shed those blocks. And we'll see if they're physically tough enough to be able to keep up. But if this game goes to 35 to 40 points, I've never seen Georgia win a game like that, if we're being honest. Yeah. The last, the last yeah. time I've seen Georgia win a game like that is when they played Oklahoma uh, in the Rose Bowl. And that was a, obviously an entirely different team. I love Stetson yeah. Bennett to death. Stetson Bennett has scored 50 points from time to time. Uh, they've, they have played really good offense from time to time. But they've never been in a game where they've had to match score for score yeah. time and time again, right? Um, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I will say as a Georgia fan, I've never seen them do it. And largely because they never had to do it, to be fair to them. I mean, when your defense only gives up 
you know, 10 on average, 10 points a game. There's a reason that you don't have to go blow for blow with many teams. So, well, you know, and and in closing, and in closing, the one thing about that that I read the other day, and I'm not going to be able to rip this stat off the top of my head, but I was very surprised by this. You heard Mac Engel talk earlier, how 12 of the 16 games uh, have been larger uh, decisions when all was said and done uh, of seven and seven and a half, eight points that, that a lot of these semifinal games have been blowouts. But the the other note that I had read about it though was, is is something like in thirteen of the sixteen the winner has scored thirty or more, and I mean if I'm an Ohio State fan and I'm just looking at and I'm, I'm looking for anything to, to hang my hopes on, right? If I'm looking at that, I'm saying to myself, if I were a betting man, I would bet that my team has a better chance to score thirty than they do. Whether that's true or not, if people agree with that or not. You know, right. I don't know. I mean, the Michigan thing, they can say, well, wait a minute, they gave up whatever it was to me. You know, if you were, if you really watched that game, it was three just bust open plays on an all out right. blitz where the runner, Donovan Evans, goes 70, 70, 50, whatever it was. That wasn't a defense that just got carved up the entire game or shredded. You take right. that one out of the mix. Jim Knowles done a nice job his first year there as uh, the defensive coordinator. But, I mean, this is Georgia. And, and, you know, they're the number one team and they're the defending champs for a reason. I'm just glad it's finally here, right? I mean, yeah. we've been waiting forever for this thing. Yeah, they got college football. And I, again, we've, we've talked about whether we like the 12-team playoff or don't like it. I think I'm starting to come on the bandwagon of liking it just because it is tiresome to wait this long for, for, for yeah, another meaningful it game. It, it, it needs to be fixed in some, some way, some fashion. I don't know exactly you know, how you fix it when you only have four teams in a playoff and you're traditionally playing around you know, the quote-unquote New Year's. This is a little off topic, and Tom, you may know this answer, and I probably should know it, but why do they wait so long? Is it is it just because of tradition in the past? Is it because of finals? Do you know the answer to that, or is that just kind of like, well, it's the way it's always been done? I, I think it's the way it's always been done. And, you know, I've had people ask me, and I've wondered the same thing. We had somebody on the chat either earlier today or yesterday that asked the question, and I never got around to answering it. But I have always been dumbfounded, and I used to talk to Barry Alvarez uh, about this all the time, legendary coach at Wisconsin, and and, and later became the athletic director of Wisconsin. And that is, I've never understood why the NCAA can run a, a brilliant basketball tournament, the, the best tournament there is in all of sports. They can run a Division I AA, a Division II, a Division III football tournament and do it beautifully. It doesn't get the pub, obviously, of, the, of these kinds of big D1 schools. We understand that. But I've never understood why or how it ever came to the point. And there's probably been a book written about it, and I should know the answer. But I've never known why um, the NCAA has not been able to run a tournament like that for, for football at the Division One level. And it's gotten to a point now where outside of the rules and regulations of the NCAA overseeing, um, you know, schools from cheating or whatever it might be in football they basically have no other no other control over the whole football world in the college game anymore it's now the college football playoff it was the bcs it's a different entity altogether that runs and negotiates television contracts and all these kinds of things with university board uh, presidents on the board and so you know i don't know why they wait so long i think it takes away um from from what you could have it's obviously not going to be like this once they get to a 12-team playoff they're going to be playing in december 
if you want to wrap it up by January, because you can't ask the kids to now go into February like they do, say, the pro game before you get to a title game. That That's not going to happen. No, and I just wonder if that uh, the effects of finals is any different than than when, when, you know it, that was always no. been the excuse. It's always been the excuse not to do things in the NCAA's perspective for football because they've always tried to use the excuse. I called it an excuse about the kids' safety, as they would say, and no. then the kids' academic rigor that they have to go through. Yeah. We can all laugh at that a little bit. I know that that's probably like something to stand behind and make an excuse for as to why they don't do it. But the truth is, is that college basketball kids are playing, you know, they're playing games on Christmas Eve and Christmas. And it's yeah. like, so what about those kids? They're, they're not, they're not, you know, getting well, the same Well, and treatment. what about, what are you saying is a governing body? I mean, it always used to blow my mind because, I mean, the NCAA is basically saying, by saying what you just said, and you're 100% accurate about the academics or the, or the, or the physical nature of the sport and the risk of injury and the health of these kids. Oh, so in other words, it's okay for the Division One and AA and Division Two and Division Three kids. You can go dump all over them and forget about their grades or their academics or their health in playing more games. But we're not going to do it for the big guys? Right. I mean, come on. You can't have it both ways. If you want to say across the board, we're not going to do this at all of these different levels because we're worried about health and we're concerned about academics. That's fine. But you can't put on the football tournament in three or four other different levels of football, run the thing, do what you just said, and not do it for the Division One guys and, and have any credibility at all. You just can't do it. Last point to make with you, when you were, when you were obviously within those kind of meetings for media and, and et cetera, the demands, do you think the demands of, of kind of a different type of uh, – we lose them? No, I'm here. No? Okay. Um do you think the demands of the different types of kind of media coverage that you would traditionally get these bigger bowl games impacts those kids at all? Or do you think they're just ho-hum at this point, not that big of a deal, you know, because well, there they, was, they don't there get as much media coverage. I don't know if you saw the, the article that was written uh, a day or two ago about CJ Stroud and the amount of hate uh, that has been directed at him uh, on social media. And look, in a day and age where let, 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 let's start with this. C.J. Stroud is going to be a multimillionaire uh, in about five months from now. Okay, so, you know, he, he's been blessed with an incredible mom, single family household, raised him and his sisters the right way and all those kinds of things as a California kid. He's come to Ohio, and he's been an unbelievable player at Ohio State. I mean, the best two-year quarterback they've ever had there, without a doubt. Uh, but he's lost to Michigan twice, and the amount – of hate that this guy deals with apparently uh, in social media. And I don't know why he just doesn't turn it off and ever read it again. I mean, I, I don't get it. But you, to answer your question in a, in a roundabout sort of way, there is so much attention on these kids. And maybe you know, you're know you not going to feel sorry for them because you'll say, oh, hey, it comes with a territory. You know what? It doesn't come with a territory for, for 18 and 19 and 20-year-old kids. It doesn't. And it, and it But it's reality, unfortunately. And I don't think because of – the, 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 the amount of money and the exposure and the television and all the things now, the NIL that come with it, I think it's going to become more pressure packed. And I marvel at all these kids, not just the CJ Strouds, but the Stetson Bennett's, uh, whoever the guy is at Tennessee, that's a defensive back that gets burned in a game against Alabama with a minute to go. 
there, there's a soft spot in my heart for all of these kids because that's really what they are. If you have a kid who's in college, which we do, these are still incredibly young people. And the pressure that comes with these guys and, and the coverage of, of the buildup that we've been talking about, Trace, the buildup of this game of Ohio State, Georgia, and that's why you're like, finally, it's here and they can just go play the game, right? Yeah, yeah. It get, it's gotten to the point where on, on my end, obviously, as you know, it would be really difficult for me. I wouldn't be. I would. I would be lying if I said it didn't mean a whole, whole lot. But at the same time, this whole the whole Georgia situation. If they didn't win last year, this would have been the worst twenty days of 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 anticipation towards a game that I've ever had. It's just it's just so long that I wonder what these college kids how they handle that pressure because it's one thing. The best saying, as they say in baseball, right, is like you have a bad game. The best thing about baseball is you play the next day. You know, you can get you get you get rid of that. You get rid of the thought that just happened yesterday. That's one thing that Ohio State's had to live with for for a month and a half. We'll see how they handle it. But it see it feels like the whole Michigan thing's been looming over their head. The one thing that you can that you can kind of uh, have a little bit of solace in if you're if you're a Buckeye fan is Georgia was that same exact team last year. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, they were supposed to be this, this darling. They were really, really good. Best defense maybe ever in college football history, blah, 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 blah. Alabama goes out and torches them. Then they're told how good they really aren't. And then they're told that they're, how they're a bunch of frauds and most overrated defense. And then they go out and they just hammer Michigan. Yeah. And obviously they win the yeah. national championship. So if you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan, I think you're in a pretty damn good spot because you get the best of both worlds. You get the idea that your team hasn't really – been told they're very, very good, and on top of that, they feel like they probably have nothing to lose. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll have fun talking about it on Monday, I'm sure. All right, bro. And uh, All we'll right. see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But enjoy your New Year's down there. Hopefully, you stay warm. Happy New know. Year's and Happy New Year's to everybody that's been on the chat and has been with us uh, since we we launched this show in August. I can't thank all of you enough. Uh, you know, we have our good days and bad days, just like everybody else. We're sure enjoying it. Uh, Trace, I'm thankful for you and, and Paul and Casey and Brandon and all the guys there, Sean and Reed. And uh, it's just a great family to be a part of and extremely fortunate and grateful and can't wait to see everybody. Uh, God bless the rest of 2022 and let's make 23 the best year ever. All right, Tom, the last question we have for you, the chat's probably going to chime in on this as well. We just enabled things called Super Chats today and super stickers i do believe i don't hold me to this i do believe you can make custom stickers that people can use do you think that leader of men should be made into a custom sticker that people can use with inside the chat now i know right now you probably not you don't know exactly what that means but of no, all the different types of stickers think of a sticker like an emoji and we make custom okay. emojis that people can use inside of the chat what are yeah. some of the phrases? Chat will probably help with this as well. What are the, some of the phrases or the stickers that we could make to perhaps give to the chat and let them use from time to time? Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, leader of men is without a doubt right up there near the top. Or a real man. That's a you know, that's another <laughs> one we could have in there. I think that uh, you know, no participation trophies. That, that's got to be another one. Um, Tired. No, Tired. no snowflakes. No snowflakes. Right? No China dolls. We're not having any of that stuff. I learned that from my main man, Chris Spielman. No China dolls allowed. <laughs> Everett chimes in with politics in all capital letters. 
<laughs> oh, come on, Everett. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, nonetheless, enjoy your time down there. Hopefully, you don't have a whole All lot right. of fun around 10, 30, 11 o'clock on, on uh, New Year's Eve. Oh, but it's going to be that, celebration time in Buckeye Nation after we'll a big TCU cup. <laughs> Go Fox. We'll see how it goes. All right, Tom. All right, buddy. Thank see you, man.